0: My name's Sarah, and I'll be reading uh, today from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Uh, These words are Jesus' words as he speaks to his disciples and a crowd that have gathered to hear him. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21. You have heard it said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment." Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny."
1: thanks Michael thank you Sarah good morning everyone lovely to see you here as we come together to look at God's word now Uh, we'll pray in a moment Uh, before we get to that should have a little outline I hope that that will be helpful as we go along to see over balancing the music stand here my Bible's too heavy apparently Uh, the weight of the word of the God is a real thing this will hopefully be helpful for you as we go along today uh and we dig into god's word it's really encouraging to hear rhiannon's story wasn't it great to hear the work of god in someone's life i agreed with all of it except what truly 40 is, but uh <laughs> we'll work that out over time i'm sure afl is good for some people <laughs> i'm really struggling with this today my bible genuinely is too heavy There we go. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word. Lord, we come to it with some trepidation today as we think through the depths of Jesus' teaching. Uh, So let us hear. Let our hearts be changed, Lord, and let us want to live for you. And we do pray that your Spirit would be at work amongst us and through your Word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've noticed lately that there's this thing called the pub test... It's a thing that journalists seem to be using all the time to go lay down Mazair. Oh, it wouldn't survive the pub test, so obviously that can't be right. Uh, I hear it on radio shows, read it in the newspaper. It's a it's a strange thing, actually. It drives me a little bit nuts. Uh, I heard just recently on the ABC News this headline, CSIRO fracking research report released doesn't pass pub test. That's catchy, isn't it? Really is catchy title. Who cares? who in which pub where, is discussing CSIRO fracking test report? Seriously, they can't even say, it. "I can't say it. No one is saying that. All around the countryside, people in pubs are not talking about that. You, you imagine up in Quirindai, up in the terminus hotel. They're sitting there, around a beer or something, talking about CSIRO reports. No! And as if they'd have the same opinion as in Marrickville at the Henson, where they've got tiny little, little, tiny, sippy little things. (laughs) You know, everybody's... (laughs) Who knows why you would say it won't survive the pub test? Except there is one thing that might survive the pub test. Do not murder. Ah, yes, no matter what the pub, whether you're down the street, You're at the shops, wherever it is, I agree with that. Do not murder, obvious. Let's pray the sermon is over. It's not really over, sorry. We've got lots to say today as we come to this command, but it is one where people are on the same page. We all kind of get it. We don't want people to kill people. Fair enough, the sixth commandment we're going to jump in and actually see the depths of the commandment as we run along today. So if you flip back with me uh, all the way to Genesis chapter 1, uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2, the earth was formless and empty and God said, let there be light. And then you scan your eyes down the page and what do you see? You see there is life and it's teeming life. It's beautiful life. There's sea creatures, there's animals, there's birds. And let there be people. And there's people. And let them rule over creation. And the people rule over creation. And be fruitful and multiply and subdue. And it's a beautiful picture. Bountiful, beautiful, brilliant. It's life. It's wonderful. It's good, says verse 31. Life, precious life. God made life. Life comes from God, it's his, it's a wonderful gift, life. Until humans thought, we know better than God. And so we read on and we only have to get to chapter 3 and the beautiful, bountiful, wonderful creation is broken. And the world is fallen and Genesis 3, everything changes. And we've reflected upon that over and over again in this series. But then you get to chapter 4 of Genesis and shockingly straight after beautiful bountiful life is murder what is going on people genesis chapter 4 read read with me from verse 6 the lord said to cain why are you angry why is your face downcast if you do what is right will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right sin is crouching at the door it desires to have you but you must rule over it so they've both bought offerings to God one is a better offering than the other offering and so Cain in verse 8 says to his brother oh let's go out in the field wonder what he's got in his mind they go out in the field and he attacks his brother and he kills him God creates wonderful beautiful life and straight away a human takes life from another in jealousy anger comes murder And so the first recorded sin outside the garden takes away the very thing that God bought, life. And Cain is judged for it. And you flip forward and you see the consequences of murder coming into the world. But Genesis 9, after the flood, after the wickedness of humanity just multiplies and multiplies, Noah is told in 9 verse 6, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. And so we have this passion from the beginning. God gives life. Humans take life. And there is consequences. There are serious consequences. And those consequences are death for a murderer. It's really dangerous arrogance of humanity. We are humans to think that we can undo what God has done. He brings life. We take it away. What a terrible thing. And notice there, there are some forms of killing that are actually okay. Even as early as Genesis 9, God allows for a place for killing as a consequence for murder. And that's not the only one, and we'll see as we go along today a few more. The sixth commandment is given, do not murder, and already humans have murdered. They are very familiar with the concept. Uh, the concept. Of course, there's plenty of case law to work through. So do not murder. What does that really mean in this situation and that situation? And in the Old Testament, God is very aware that we humans, we want to know how does it work out in different situations? And He and He gives us examples. Uh, follow with me as we think about accidental killing. Uh, accidental killing. What is accidental killing? Exodus 21, verse 14. Anyone who strikes a person. With a fatal blow is to be put to death. However, if it's not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are free to flee to a place I'll designate. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. You see, there's several distinctions around killing here. Uh, there's murderous momentary rage, there's unintentional killing, there's deliberate scheming murder, And then there's putting to death as a consequence for all of that killing. There's a lot of killing that's going on in Exodus 21. Scheming is very clear. If you scheme to kill someone, you should be put to death. It's deliberate, out-and-out murder. Also, murderous momentary rage. Passionate killing in a moment is wrong. Uh, Numbers 35 sort of fleshes it out. If anyone strikes someone a fatal blow with an iron object, that person is a murderer. The murderer is to be put to death. If anyone is holding a stone and strikes someone a fatal blow with that, that person is a murderer. They should be put to death. If anyone is holding a wooden object, strikes someone a fatal blow, that person is a murderer. The murderer is to be put to death. Lots of different cases, but in the end, you hit somebody and kill them, you are a murderer. Even in a passionate moment, you pick up whatever's around and you kill someone, you are a murderer. Rage is no excuse in the Old Testament. But there is accidental killing. Uh, What's accidental killing? Well, Deuteronomy 19 goes into it. For instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbour to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may fly off, hit his neighbour and kill him. It's very specific, isn't it? God anticipated we want to work this things out. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. Otherwise, the avenger of blood might pursue him in a rage, overtake him if the distance is too great, and kill him even though he's not deserving of death, since he did it to his neighbour without malice aforethought. Uh, putting all that into your head, growing up on a small farm, my dad said to me, do not stand in line with the chainsaw. Because people around us have the chain come off and they lost something. It happens. Axe heads come off. Don't st- It's great wisdom for life because it happens. So accidental death happens. You can imagine the situation though. You go with your mate to the bush. Somebody dies and straight away, ooh, was that an accident? Was that on purpose? God in his mercy set up a system even to handle these situations. It's not just forgive and forget. He knows that some may not be able to forgive so easily. Deuteronomy 4:41, he told Moses set aside 3 cities east of the Jordan to which anyone who's killed a person could flee but only if they had unintentionally killed a neighbor without malice or forethought. They could flee and save their life. Uh, God set up Switzerland before there was Switzerland. There was a place to go. There was a freedom to find there was salvation even in accidental killing. But I think the point is, if a human being dies, that is serious. It's not something to just write off. Even accidental killing, you don't just write it off, has to be dealt with. And there will be angry people, even if you've accidentally done something. Uh, We have manslaughter charges today. Sometimes accidental murder, killing ends up in long-term jail. Other times, no jail at all. Courts try and work that out with wisdom. Uh, What about war in the Old Testament? This commandment's actually not about war. Do not murder. It's not about war. God knew in a broken world there would be war. Ecclesiastes 3 states it. There's a time for everything. A time for war and a time for peace. Uh, Jesus says it in Matthew 24, 24, verse 6. Do not expect an end to war until Jesus comes back. This is the very age we live in. War is a part of reality. It's not a bad thing for a Christian to be a pacifist or drawn towards it. It's not a bad thing, but there is also a reality. It would be naive to think that wars won't happen, that there aren't things worth standing for and fighting for. Plenty of Christians stood in the Second World War for that reason. Sometimes we might have to fight. Do not murder is not an excuse not to fight in a war, Though for some Christians, in their conscience, they may not be involved. They may be doctors or nurses or other things to support the effort. The Sixth Commandment's not about killing in war. Uh, What about capital punishment? Uh, Genesis 9 presumes punishment will be meted out for murder. It's already sort of built in to God's way of dealing with creation. Uh, Later among the Israelites in Leviticus 24, community stoning was a form of capital punishment. Uh, mick pointed out those lyrics you can imagine in the old testament taking up your stone to judge someone amongst the people to kill them everybody throws a stone it's a terrible way to die but the whole community is involved in ensuring righteousness in the community we have christ put our stones down forgive one another those lyrics were wonderfully relevant for today In the New Testament, Romans 13 is pretty clear. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against that authority is rebelling against God and what he's instituted. Those who do so bring judgment on themselves. And it goes on to say, what do we have to fear if we're actually good citizens? but God has given the sword to societies. I don't want to get into a political discussion today about whether we should have capital punishment in Australia. That is a particular question in a particular place, but the Bible is not against capital punishment per se. God gives a place for it, and every society has to work it out, though with much trembling and fear, I hope. Psalm 2 says the wise governing authority will turn to the Lord and have fear of the Lord, knowing they will be judged. 1 Timothy 2 tells us as Christians, pray for good government. We want that so that we would have peaceful conditions for the good of living peaceful and quiet lives. Uh, In the end, God does give the sword, and so capital punishment needs to be worked out through societies in their particular rules. Abortion. What about abortion? Does it break the sixth commandment? Now I'm very aware that this one in particular in this time in history is a very political question. Uh, There have been marches on the streets, there have been all sorts of things in just the last couple of years. Does it break the sixth commandment? Well we've seen that every human is made in the image of God. We've seen in Genesis the goodness of life. We know that Esau and Jacob, even in the womb, were known and loved. Even in the womb, we are life. God knows us, He knows everybody who was made in the womb. And so, as unpopular and difficult as it is to speak about this, abortion does disobey the sixth command. Abortion doesn't survive the pub test. We agree, do not murder, we don't agree on abortion as a society. I know this is difficult for some and I know there will be some amongst us potentially who have close friends, family members or you yourself who have wrestled in a really serious way with this. So I don't want to make light of it, there is much more that can be said today, there is actually a whole sermon on abortion that could be happening today. We don't have time for all of that. I do encourage you, though, on that personal level, if you need to talk about that, do. Find someone you trust. Pray with people. God is good, and he can forgive all manner of sin, but that doesn't mean we change our view of what abortion is. It is the taking of life. God is merciful and kind for those who have fallen in this particular way. But at a societal level... I do worry for us. On Judgment Day, as we look back and we see our society and we see the number of unborn children whose lives were never lived, I do wonder what mourning and weeping there will be on that day for our societies. What Judgment for our society. It's really hard to get statistics on this. You can't just Google this and find them. You've got to really dig to find the stats. Uh, conservative estimates around the Western world are that 18% of pregnancies. Are aborted. So that's sixty five thousand in Australia every year, God is the author of life. I fear for the arrogance of a society that will take life, and that is a really sad, sad thing. As I said, this is a personal issue and a societal issue. It's easy to speak about society, it's very personal. God is kind and loving and forgives our sin if we have fallen in this way. But to summarise so far, the Sixth Commandment, it's very clear, except for abortion, it passes the pub test. Pretty much everybody agrees, don't murder, don't kill, don't get vengeance, all of these things. I presume everyone in church, if everyone in the pub, everyone in church agrees, it passes the pub test as well. I presume everyone in church hasn't murdered anyone. If you have, now's the point. No, don't raise your hand. (laughs) If you have and you haven't dealt with the consequences, Christian repentance would suggest maybe you should come with me down to the police station and we'll talk it through with the local police. I sort of joke, but if there is anyone out there... (laughs) We can probably all say, I've not fallen in the Sixth Commandment so far. I've not fallen in the Sixth Commandment, and yet, in reality... In God's eyes, it's much deeper than this. It's not just this, it's much deeper than this. I want to show you that from the Old Testament to show that this has always been the case and then from the New Testament, from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, So the first one is the story of Nathan going to David from the Old Testament. Uh, You probably know the story. King David sees Bathsheba on the top of a building and he wants her. She's beautiful, she's gorgeous. He wants her, he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. That is inconvenient. There is no abortion in those days should he have wanted to take in that option. And so he thinks of a different way. He thinks, how can I get rid of the husband? If I get rid of the husband, then I can just take over and marry this woman and no one will be any wiser. And it all went as planned. He sent the husband, Uriah, onto the front lines in battle. He is killed and David breathes a sigh of relief. Scott free. I am free. No one has to know the anointed one sinned in this particular way and then the prophet nathan comes to david and he says from 2 samuel 12 david you struck down uriah the hittite with the sword you took his wife as your own wife you murdered him with the ammonite sword this is a chilling moment in the old testament one of the most chilling nathan's other prophecy You can read that yourself in the same chapter is also chilling but the idea that god's anointed has basically killed this man he has murdered he has disobeyed the commands is a terrible thing god is not interested in following strictly laws he's interested in the heart, and true heart obedience to what god wants and then jesus came along and he just took it a whole next step now let's have a look at matthew 5 we read it before jesus says on the sermon on the mount you have heard it was said long ago you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment but i tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment have you ever been angry with a brother or sister i want to ask you to raise your hands at this point It goes on again anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, uh, an Aramaic sledge, that person is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Have you been angry with someone? A family member? A member of your church family? Have you ever hated on someone? Have you ever called anyone a fool? jesus is saying that's murder coming out of our hearts it's subject to what hellfire if nathan's words are chilling to david how about jesus words to us have you ever been angry with anyone it's taking a big weapon to the problem isn't it it's pulling out a shotgun for the mouse plague it's trying to solve something in an incredibly large way Sounds over the top, and yet it's because sin matters to God. God cares. He doesn't want legalists. He wants disciples, people who love the Lord and seek to keep his heart. And so hear this challenge. It is a personal challenge for all of us. Everyone in this room, if I said, have you ever been angry, puts their hands up. Everybody in this room is probably thinking of a person or people they've been angry with, they hold a grudge with. Some of us are more easily angered than others. Some are quick-tempered, some are judgmental. Some harbour hatred, some fuel their hatred. There are all kinds of people. Some of us are the very first to call our politicians fools. Think very carefully before you join the mob. Some of us are quick to mutter a version of Raka to the drivers on the road as we wander along Norellan Road in the traffic we all need to hear what Jesus thinks of anger. It's tantamount to murder. And that is challenging because we're all guilty of failing and we're not keeping the Sixth Commandment. Now, at this point, it's really tempting for just jumping straight to Jesus and going, but we have the grace of God. And it's true. But I don't think we would honour the Lord if we jumped too quickly. Don't have to think about the consequences of this, the seriousness of this. Are you pleasing the Lord in your attitude towards others? Uh, 523 goes on to give a serious urgency to this kind of a problem for us. You see it there, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Uh, If you see the cash box on the way out and you remember that somebody here you have a problem with, drop your cash on the floor and rush off to talk to this person. That's what it's saying. Settle matters quickly in verse 25 with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying drop everything, and not if you are just angry with someone else, drop everything if someone else is angry with you. If you have a hint that somebody else has a problem with you, drop everything to sort it out before it goes too far. Be the first to open up the pathway of reconciliation. Be proactive to step in. That is a big call. Drop everything proactively to mitigate against anger amongst us. And why do that? Well, so they don't get judged by the fires of hell and so that you don't get drawn in to the error yourself. So we've talked about different kinds of killing in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but this is the most challenging one, isn't it? This is where the rubber hits the road, this is where it really hurts each of us. Have we ever been angry? Jesus is all about our hearts. He doesn't care what we look like on the outside particularly. He cares about who we are fundamentally, how we treat people we love people and so for this for you the sixth commandment may mean many things you may even have in your mind oh there is this person i need to do some reconciliation with there may be this habit i have to deal with you may have to stop cursing in traffic as you drive around there's a simple one it may be praying god will take away your judgmental tongue it may mean sorting out a specific relational issue right now and you're thinking of that person It may mean forgiving others who have hurt you. It it may mean changing your attitude to your boss or your enemy or your brother or sister in your home or in your church. Do you need to reconcile with someone? If so, do it today. Jesus would say, get up now, walk out the door and go and do it, but I know that would be embarrassing. Above it all, pray that God would change you and me. Because in our hearts we're all the same and we need that transformed heart that comes through the holy spirit jesus calls us put off murder but in the end what he's saying to us is have a heart change continue to have a heart change continue to be changed by your lord jesus that bit will never pass the pub test but that's actually where this command is at for us that's the pointy end of the command. And as we think about the point again now, what a comfort to have a Lord like we do. Don't you want to just join Paul the Apostle when he says, what a wretched man I am. If this is is the standard, how much do I need a saviour? Praise God who can rescue me through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful truth. Praise God that despite our anger, despite our sins, whatever way we've fallen in this command, through Jesus... His forgiveness is bigger that's wonderful let's pray heavenly father we give you great thanks for the lord who would die for us we give you great thanks that we do not have to stone one another as a community when we fail but that we know we are truly forgiven in you for the little sins and the big ones for the heart changes that we need and we haven't lived out uh, and for the things we've said flippantly accidentally even father we thank you for the forgiveness that you give but we do pray for transformed parts and continually transforming hearts that we might be more like you that you might take our anger away and fill our hearts with love for others love for our enemies and love for you and we pray this in jesus name amen